Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. This is part two of our weekly two-part podcast. If you haven't heard the first one, go back and listen to it. It's already up. But we're going to dive right into some college football talk, a little bit of it. We'll go back to the NFL. But we're going to start with Lucas. This is your segment, the blue-collar team of the week. Who it is? It is, or as it is listed in our notes, the BCTOTW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice uh, this week... Yeah. <laughs> Easy, good, Roll good back. acronym. <laughs> um, and Aiden's gonna love this one. It's the Rutgers Scarlet Knights Ooh, are the blue collar team of the week. Let's go. And it pains me to say because they beat my Temple Owls this week. But let's just start off with with some context for this game. It's a blue collar matchup, Temple versus Rutgers. I think we can all admit that. You know, Philadelphia blue collar city. We've decided on it. New Jersey is a blue collar state, and I think. We agree on that, right? Um, or I would think so. Um, depends both on the park, are sort of depends on the part. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I say most of New Jersey is. Um, they're both sort of programs that are perpetual punching bags. Uh, Temple got kicked out of the Big East back in the day because they were so bad, but they both keep fighting. They both don't give up. Some good work ethic there. Um, second thing that gives Rutgers uh, the blue collar team of the week. Um, in this matchup is that the score of the game was 16 to 14. I can't explain it, but that seems like a score that the blue collar team of the week would score yeah. or win a game in. And finally, let's look at Rutgers performance. Uh, they only threw for 59 yards, uh, and they only gained 201 total yards and that they still won. <laughs> um, I think a good running game that's worthy of the blue collar team of the week. So that's why I'm choosing Rutgers. I support that. Also, I saw in preparation for the the next segment about some Pac-12 Big Ten stuff, I was looking at Big Ten power rankings, and I saw Rutgers as high as number six out of wow. 14 in some of them, and I was that is, that is definitely the highest that <laughs> Rutgers has been in Big Ten power rankings in their existence in the Big Ten. But Good for Rutgers. Good for exactly. Them. Greg Schiano. We're back in 2008. Okay, we're back in 2008. Next weekend, big chances upset October 1st versus Ohio State. Let's get after it, Rutgers. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> uh, funny Ohio State thing. They played Toledo and they put like 75 up on Toledo. Like, what? Mm-hmm. I, I just imagine being Toledo and having to go out there and play one of these other teams. That'd be tough. Mm-hmm. Hey, if that other team is Notre Dame, they do just fine because they almost <laughs> beat us last year. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the Pac-12, is it back? The Pac-12 had a rough week one with two marquee programs in Oregon and Utah losing to SEC programs. But in the next two weeks, WSU, UW, Oregon had wins over 19 Wisconsin, 11 Michigan, and 12 BYU in that order. Jared, has the Pac-12 doubters been silenced? They haven't been, but they should be. I, the popular narrative is to talk about how the Pac-12 fails to get team teams into the playoffs. But, again, I, th- I think I would argue that's mostly due to perception, and it's more important to look at success within the playoffs if you want to use so- some sort of measuring stick to see how good you actually are. So everyone like loves to position the Big Ten as some sort of mega conference that is fighting out with the SEC. 
for one of the, the for the best conference in college football. But if you if you take away Ohio State, the Big Ten and the Pac twelve are basically the same conference. The the only thing that is holding up the Big Ten is that they're a peren- they have a perennial playoff contender in Ohio State. So they have their three wins and a championship for the Big Ten, which is awesome. But take away them, and in their appearances, the Big Ten has zero wins. If you look at the Big Twelve, they have zero wins in the playoffs. Same with the ACC; they're they're being propped up by a single team in Clemson, mm-hmm. where they have zero win or outside of Clemson, there's zero wins for that conference. So the Pac-12 literally has the same amount of teams that have won a playoff game than any other conference has, other than the SEC, which is Oregon back in the first year of the playoff. So like, if the argument as a conference if you're arguing that as a conference, the Pac-12 is inferior to the Big Ten, it's just falling on deaf ears for me. Or in in terms of like saying that the Pac-12 is some is like barely a Power Five conference, and every year we have to talk about how they don't get into the playoffs. When if you take away the only thing the Pac-12 hasn't had is one of their big brands like USC, for example, being good, which they do have this year. So I'd like I'd love to see how the perception of the Pac-12 changes this year, and. I feel like perception is the the AP and the coaching rankings have such an outsized how outsized influence on not only the committee rankings but just on the perception of programs generally except for like one institution is not affected by that and that's Vegas. So case in point Washington was actually favored by 3 points against their game uh, against Michigan State who was 11 at the time despite being unranked they won that game obviously. Oregon, again, was favored against BYU despite being ranked 13 points lower. They won that game as well. So I think Vegas is a better indicator in terms of how these conferences are actually stacking up against each other. I mean, if you look at the coaches poll, for example, Michigan State is literally still in front of Washington. Baylor's in front of BYU, and both those teams beat the other team. So it's pretty crazy. And I know somebody's going to use the the record and non-conference play stuff. And... While the Pac-12 sure isn't isn't um, the best conference in non-conference play, they certainly have shown that they're on the same level as the other Power 5 conferences. This year, according to my calculations, which could be like a couple percentage points off because I was doing it mostly by hand, but 72% record, uh, 72% win rate in non-conference games, which is not not like the best, but it's right in line with the Big 10 at 78%, Big 12 at 77%. And if you look at last year, the Pac-12's record in um, non-conference games, it was 50%. So they've really improved, and they're mostly getting dragged down this year, by the way, by the Pac-12 South, which is 0-5 in their Power 5 matchups. They're, and the North is 2-1. So I feel like it's, it's dumb to just look at, oh, they're always, not, they're always uh, not getting a team into the playoffs when no other team other than Ohio State has done anything from the Big Ten. No other team from Clemson has done anything in the ACC, and no team, period, has done anything from the Big 12. I think it's just du- it's dumb to, to say the, that because they're not getting a, a team into the playoffs means that like they're somehow like a group of five conference all of a sudden. And I feel like that's how the Pac-12 likes to get portrayed, or that's how the media loves to portray the Pac-12 right now. What's, what's your thought? Mm. Y'all thoughts on that? To start, I really like the idea, Jared, of you doing like long division on paper to calculate <laughs> these percentages. Um. And I literally was just, I was going through every team and being like, okay, that was a non-conference game. I'm going to add that in the win column. <laughs> so it's, it's probably a little imprecise, but only maybe by like a game or two, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I was looking at, I found a website that had, like, each conference's records against other conferences, which is what kind of what you alluded to. And honestly, it wasn't very, I don't know, convincing in one direction or the other in terms of Pac-12 or Big Ten or whatnot. It seemed like some years the Pac-12 is one in five against the Big Ten. Sometimes they're five in one. Like, I think that's literally what 2021 was, was one in five, and 2019 was five in one. Um, I think that the difference in portrayal and what we you know perceive at least of the pac-12 and the big 10 is that the big 10 feels like football country it just does you know did anyone see the photos of ucla playing at the rose bowl this weekend mm-hmm. was there. about it yeah the announced crowd was like twenty nine thousand, and that was generous in a stadium <laughs> that can hold ninety thousand. it looked so sad and empty um, and if you looked at just like average attendance numbers like looking from um, I found a study of like 2020, um, it was the previous five years, average attendance. The top three in college football were Big Ten teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. We all know they have enormous stadiums. Even Nebraska cracked the top 10. <laughs> um, the Pac-12's highest team was UW at 20, but there were six Big Ten teams ahead of them. So I feel like that's why people associate the Big Ten with, you know, being a better football conference or a more exciting football conference is that it's a it feels like a bigger deal and yes some of their games are at more watchable times for for most of the country too <laughs> uh, but i feel like that has a lot to do with it rather than necessarily the the quality of what's on the field i genuinely think the biggest thing the pac 12 could do for itself to help the reputation of football is like not schedule any night games ever <laughs> like i think yeah, no. I, I realize that's like hard to do and like probably not great for everybody else involved but it is like I don't watch Pac-12 games. They start at 11 o'clock for me. And it's like, I'm sure Washington State plays good football, and I'm sure they Oregon do. State plays good football. But I'm only going to watch those games if they're on, like, the East Coast primetime slot. Because, like, mm-hmm. I can't stay up till 2 a.m. to watch Washington State versus Arizona State, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, genuinely, if they wanted to, like, have better national perception, like, it wouldn't hurt to be like, you know what? Latest game you play is 5 p.m. Exactly. And then just go from there. Yeah. And what look, Vegas Vegas is on the West Coast. They watch all the games, they get it right. <laughs> the AP but yeah. I would argue too though, Lucas, is that yeah, you shouldn't stay up that late to watch a football game, but an AP voter absolutely should be what staying up. Oh to watch yeah, I agree game. with that. But they don't. They don't watch the games. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that, that also makes me mad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it really just comes <laughs> back down to there there's no really big brand there hasn't been a really big brand that's been good at the top of their conference and that's why it's perceived as being lesser because i also think i think that it once you once you're like playing against ohio state they do kind of want to inflate whoever their matchup is and rate a big 10 team a little bit higher than maybe they should because well they're going to play ohio state it's going to be a big game Mm -hmm. i think i don't have any stats to prove that that's just (laughs) Jared, who are the five best programs in the Pac-12 right now? Um, USC, obviously. Washington, Oregon, Utah. And then... UW? After th- or uh, UW, Washington State? That's who I, I was considering oh, them. Or It's probably Washington State. I mean, they're 3-0 yeah. this year. Um, and I feel like ever since they've had Mike Leach, they've been like decently relevant, mm-hmm. maybe on like a Reddit CFB sort of level, but... Um, they have been relevant, so yeah, I can give them. I can give them top five this year. You think they're better than mm-hmm. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State? 
Yep. Well, we just saw that they're better than Michigan, Michigan State. Just, you know, we literally just saw that Washington beat Michigan but better, State. But I think better Oregon brands in the perception. In the perception. Oh no, of, not better brands. No. I think that that's why the Pac-12 doesn't have many big brands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Penn, Penn State. They're tough. Aiden, Aiden said so himself. Did I? Yeah. I think. You yeah, did. but I don't. I don't know. The, the brand. <laughs> I hope so. It is right, but the brand Probably shouldn't be point, held yeah. against them. It's 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 dumb. I feel like though some to some degree the rankings. I feel like last year was not a great year for the Pac-12, and the Big mm. Ten had a couple teams last year who were good that had inflated ratings coming to the season as a result. Like Michigan State is that, right? Like yeah. we talked about Michigan State before the season as being a team that would disappoint, and I think that's what Vegas was expecting. Mm-hmm. And so they were, by default, given a pretty high ranking because last year they had a pretty high ranking. But I think we all kind of knew that it was going to go down. Yeah. And like... For example, I didn't crunch the Americans' um, records against other conference this year, but like, if you actually want to look at how does a group of five team do against uh, other conferences, mm-hmm. last year they were seventeen and fifteen, two and eleven versus the Power Five, fifteen percent. Like, it's it's not it's not a comparison. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, don't know. I mean, there's a reason why they would want to join the Pac-12 over staying in the group of five. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just in the grand scheme of things, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to move college football forward financially, and the Pac-12 yeah. has yet to mm-hmm. commit, I think, to football on that level, mm-hmm. which does kind of yeah. alter their perception of whether or not the were they actually a good football program? Do they even care about whether what anything happens to them? I think that that's a huge factor into the way that they're perceived nationally. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think I think I didn't research this beforehand but i believe that they signed a really long tv year deal that like has come to bite them in the butt because of just like whether it's inflation or just literally college football becoming more lucrative you know mm-hmm. that that the longer the deal goes on the worse it looks basically mm-hmm. tough for the pack though moving on <laughs> super bowl hangover for the Bengals, possibly rough morning the Bengals have started 0-2. <laughs> Joe Burrow has not looked good at all. This new offensive line has yet to put the pieces together. Aiden, have the Bengals been figured out from last year? I, I do not think they're going to be repeating uh, in terms of winning the AFC. You know, the biggest thing, as you kind of alluded to, Wyatt, coming into the season was that the Bengals had an improved O-line. That obviously has not panned out. You know, Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times last year, which was the most of any other QB. I think this year he's on pace to be sacked 111 times, which is not going to hold up. But, I mean, there were clear, you know, during that Cowboys game, there were times where Micah Parsons was just totally unblocked coming for Joe Burrow to destroy him. Uh, There was no time for plays to develop. And it was clear that defense, from a, you know, figuring out perspective, both teams so far have played some variation of the whole, like, cover two, safety's back. They have totally cracked down on the big play Bengals that, you know, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow mm-hmm. made a thing last year. So it does kind of feel like they got figured out in that sense. I'm not saying that they won't respond, that they won't that bounce back from that to some degree. But it always felt like last year was magical, right? Like, yeah. they won five games by three points or less, um, you know, and they just have not had that magic this year. Joe Burrow got the ball with two minutes left in the Cowboys game at a three and out. Um, so 
I don't think they'll make the playoffs almost purely because of the fact that their schedule is not easy. So the fact that they're 0-2 is puts them in a super bad situation given the fact that, yes, they have the Jets next week, a red-hot Jets team uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, is ready to, to tear them down. But after that, they have Dolphins, Ravens, and Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the eighth toughest strength of schedule remaining of any team. Um, and the Steelers, Browns, and Ravens, for comparison, you know, they're... AFC North brethren are 21st, 22nd, and 25th in strength of schedule. Mm. So it, it really says how difficult their out-of-division games are. They have the Bills, they have the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Dolphins. So plus the fact that none of the AFC North teams are really teams that you beat up on, at least at the moment. Even the Steelers, even the Browns, if they're struggling, like all of these teams are solid. Um, it just really feels like it's going to be a 9-8 and eight team to me. Mm. It, you know, mm. it's it feels like they're going to get kind of destroyed by the schedule. And even if they adjust, it's going to be hard to really dominate or, you know, win their division. Well, here's, here's a, a just a little point for the Bengals. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, Joe Burrow did not start the season well at all either. Everybody was kind of panicking when he threw three interceptions against mm-hmm. the Bears last year, which is much mm-hmm. worse than the Cowboys' loss that they just had, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then last year in week one, they needed overtime to beat the Vikings. So... They easily could have started 0-2 last year, too. This, this time, mm-hmm. it didn't really fall their way. Um, mm-hmm. The O-line definitely is a concern, like you said, mm-hmm. on pace for 100-whatever. He's already been sacked 13 times. That's pretty 13 crazy. 13 times. That's, 13. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the big concern, but we'll see. Because uh, they need to keep Joe Burrow healthy, too. If he gets hurt, obviously. Mm-hmm. This team's not doing anything. Yeah. And it's completely like stifled the run game too. Like Joe Mixon only has 139 yards across the first Mm. two games at this point. And it's just like, if that line's not fixed, then like, I think they're just like done for. And I mean, like they're able to like somehow escape that last year because Joe Burrow played like Superman, but he like can't always be doing that. Like at some point the inadequacies in the line are going to catch up to them and they're going to lose. And so I think this year is more of like, almost like, a reversion to the mean type of year. Like, I think Aiden, you said, like, oh, last year was magical. They're all the close games, but it's like, yeah, they were probably only an eight and nine or nine or eight team last year that just kind of like got lucky in a lot of ways and had Joe Burrow play excellently. And they don't seem to have really fixed any of the issues and it's really just catching up to them at this point. Yeah, it really feels like Joe Burrow is like one big hit away from, you know, like. You can only take so many at some point they're going to add up and either he's going to be out for the season or it could be the kind of thing that affects someone over the course of their career because mm. it's, it's a lot of hits for your first, especially given his first year was he was out for most of it. And now his first two, it seems like he's going to be hit a lot the whole time. So. Yeah. <laughs> they tried. The Bengals tried. The Bengals did. <laughs> it just try. did not work. <laughs> their their yeah. moves did not work. Yeah. It also makes it very difficult to have the conversation of what is Joe Burrow's ceiling or is he, you know, mm. a top five QB? Could he be a top three QB? Because he just he's in kind of a different situation, at least at the moment, than the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Herberts. And so he looks he has not looked good, um, but to some degree it has to be discounted. I think some of the biggest problems, it has to come down to coaching. And I think I've harped on coaching a lot this these last two episodes, but mainly you have a lot of really talented players in the offensive line. Lyle Collins mm-hmm. is an all pro um, mm-hmm. and, and and they've put together some fantastic pieces there. 
Like the, the these you can last year you could say, well, there's nobody actually on the offensive line. Like it's just what else do you want them to do? They're going against some fantastic D line uh, stuff and and they're trying their best. But right now, like they have the talent to actually protect, and we've seen it in years past that they've actually protect. And I don't believe all of the guys that they signed have dropped off of a cliff from where they were mm-hmm. in in the last two years. So I think it has to be like a schematic issue when it comes to the way that they're blocking. And uh, I, I, there's also a couple ones where Joe Burrow has just held the ball for way too long. Like I, I've watched mm-hmm. a couple of uh, of the highlights of some of the sacks, and it's more like, okay, the pocket collapses, he moves up, and then he's still holding on to that ball. Like there has to be some rhythm timing. You have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Throw it. Like. It, it seems like it just seems like there are a couple things where that 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 could be fixed really quickly, and their offensive issues would be turned around really really quickly as well. Um, so once if Zach Taylor kind of starts puts puts the pieces together on Joe Burrow's timing, create more of a rhythm offense, and creating a better pass protecting scheme, I think that you could see them turn it around. My biggest concern is with the defense, who was. One of the better units for them last year in the Super Bowl run. Uh, you, it was very evident when they played the Chiefs how fantastic that defense was schemed up, um, how well they were able to kind of make something out of nothing, and and not to discredit who they have on their roster, but they don't have a handful of superstars. Like Jesse Bates broke mm-hmm. out last year, but the the next biggest name was probably what Eli Apple outside of their D line. But like Eli Apple is like the next biggest name, and it's because he's a meme. And um, <laughs> for the most part, I, their defense does concern me and the way that they're playing. They're giving up way too much. They do not look dialed in. They do not look like they're well-schemed. Um, and that would be the one thing I'm concerned about. But offensively, I think they got to figure that out real quick. I mean, defensively, too, they lost linebackers coach Al Golden to Notre Dame, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> big loss. Secret weapon, there. yeah. Tough. <laughs> but they're, Al they're, Golden, I think, actually has been pretty has been good he was getting really good game plan against ohio state at least other than yeah i don't think it wasn't good enough was it that has not really been the issue yeah it's not yeah the defense hasn't been not notary it's a complete lack of ability to (laughs) to score the ball (laughs) (laughs) anyways that's gonna do it for us this week uh as we said I'm sure you've listened to the first episode and heard us say to follow us all the things. I'm sure you've done it already, but in the off chance you have it, follow us. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Every week, follow us after the first episode, unfollow us after the second, then wash, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Uh, But no, follow us, (laughs) Lunchbell Guys, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, And we'll be back next week. Maybe Bart will be back. We'll see. Stay tuned.